Welcome to our podcast, a quest to engage and unpack our African experiences, a celebration of our identities, our successes, a fearless voyage into ourselves. Zazi. Hello, Christine. Hello, Patricia. How are you? I am alive. Yeah, okay. Um, I guess I will say so also. I'm, I'm feeling, how can I say that? Mixed feelings. <laughs> yeah, it's that time of the year mm. and like that sort of burnout situation and just trying to make it to December. Exactly. The burnout, it's like someone said that November, it's like the, what, the Friday and Saturday of the week or something. Yes. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really feeling it like ready to stop everything, to rest. And also the weather. Okay, I think you enjoy cloudy days, if I'm correct, right? No, not particularly. I just don't think I'm as touched as so many of you are. Oh, okay. That the weather is not living up to your expectations. Because for me, if it's not bright and sunny, I'm like, oh, I don't like it, blah, blah, blah. But hey, yeah, and today is one of those days. And I don't understand because it's November. We should be like having bright days, long sunny days. But I was thinking about it this morning, actually, and... um. Because I have another colleague who also gets terribly touched when the weather is not aligning to his expectations. And I think oftentimes, um, maybe let's say I feel my generation of like people of color that I live among are not necessarily relating to like climate change. And, you know, it seems like this very distant thing. But then when I hear people like yourself who are just like, hey, this weather is not living up to like what I was hoping it was. What is up with that? And I, I think there's actually an opportunity there that lies in tapping into your inconveniences. Yes. Um, and, creating... and to start the conversation. Correct. I think definitely we can see how the climate patterns are changing and uh, yeah, I told you that last time I had, I was uh, on a Zoom meeting with someone in Eastern Europe almost sitting with uh with a t-shirt while here us in Johannesburg we had like jerseys and it was cold and yeah definitely and all these um cat- I mean catastrophic uh climate events that is happening it's really really we need to we need to be worried I think and do something I don't know who needs to hear this but whoever is out there making decisions about the shows that get rebooted or like giving you life there was a show once upon a time in my youth called Captain Planet um that could do with a uh uh a rebirth. Captain Planet. Okay. So it was like targeting kids. Or? Yes, it was targeting kids. It was like animation and it was designed to teach us to be better to the planet, you know, like don't litter and why you shouldn't litter. And like, I mean, a typical example, not that they said this in Captain Planet, but in this day in life, in townships in particular, um, litter goes around and it goes into those water drainage yes. systems. And so then when it rains or like things like that happen, it overflows and it causes blockages and then it just becomes a mess on the road. And it's from something as simple is littering or like mm. not giving a damn about what happens to your waste yeah, and being true. careless about you know it's the same situation in Kinshasa and especially the littering it's with all these plastic bottles when it rains oh my god it's not it's not a nice sight but yeah I guess that's it for our little how can we say that climate warriors or something <laughs> But but what's next? What are we talking about today? Well, because, you know, the show is called Zazi and you've always told us about this term in Swahili of Buzazi. And I think it was just a great time to maybe just sit and reflect and shine a light on 
us as women and our experiences as African women in particular and um, how we are received in this world and a little bit about the truths about us. Mm, that's a great topic, yeah. Because, you know, sometimes I think there is this perception that all African women are superwomen, that we are omnicapable, that we are these warriors, these fighters nurturing. of light. Yes, and nurturing. And, you know, um, and that can't possibly be true mm. because, yes, there are those people, um, but there are also just ordinary women who live in these patriarchal societies that burden them, that impose things on them, that impact their lives in such a way that they will go forward and, you know, impact their own children. Um, I watch what I call Sangoma TV, which is like um, shows around like um, African traditional practices and healing and customs and such. Mm -hmm. And I was watching an episode just yesterday where this girl, she is a mixed race, if mm -hmm. you will, born to an African mother. And this medium says to her, you must never talk to your mother about who your father is. I'm here telling you now that your father is a white man, yes, but you were conceived painfully. So whenever you mention this thing to your mother about who's my father, it hurts her. Stop it. I'm telling you. like That's this, what the Sangoma told yeah, her. So this medium, because now these people are different things. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so this medium is telling her that, hey. Mm, stop, yeah. Yeah, just stop it, you know. So now imagine that mother who is raising this child that has come from a painful experience mm -hmm. and she needs to raise her into being a young lady in this world but she looks at her and she remembers the trauma that she suffered wow and you know mm. so yeah hey so there's this thing called the mother wound and it's real yeah no completely you know what you're saying um First of all, when you mentioned, uh, when you talked about um, this thing of being a mother, there is something that always uh, strike me in, in Congo, in the Congo environment. When um, a woman, when you reach a certain age, let's say you are maybe 30s, whatever, or as soon as you become a mom, something, almost everybody starts start calling you mama or mama meanings like mom you know mm -hmm. and even in in congo we don't really use the terms like ladies and gentlemen if you look how people are using it when they talk it will be for instance oh maman patricia maman christine and i always tell people it feels like um like motherhood somehow is forced on you like you know you have to become a mother even if you're not uh um, even if you're not like physically a mother to a child, but it feels like now you are becoming the mom to the community to like everybody just around. They will be saying like, oh, something even like, oh, a mom like you, quote unquote, a mom like you behaving like that. Oh, you know, as if at when you reach a certain age, you need, you need to embody um, all the characteristic of being a mom, a mother. Oh, she doesn't respect herself. She doesn't hold herself as as, as a mom. And the thing is that the mom factors come come comes back a lot. And I always have, I always like triggered if I might say, or you know, when I read on internet, and I'm like, no, but not every woman needs to be associated with motherhood. You know. So it feels like you don't even have a choice. It does feel like you don't even have a choice. And I have taken the decision not to be anybody's biological mother. Um, and the reception of that by other people in this world has been... That's what I wanted to even <laughs> ask you. And can I tell you something? Honestly, you know, for me, even a few years ago, I used to find it very strange when a woman would say like, oh, I don't want to be a mother. But it has 
I guess understanding since I'm myself a mother and I'm like, no, this thing, it's like, it's heavy. It's not for everybody. You know, it's intense. It's, uh, <laughs> no, that's, I don't have other words. It's intense. It's a full-time job and a half. And yeah, woman must, womanhood must not always be associated with motherhood, you know? Exactly. And in fact, the people who empathize with me the most are mothers. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's, yeah. Um, over men don't mm. get it. Men are like, what do you mean? Yeah. Um, how do you not want to be a mother? You know, you'll, they just don't get it. But I mean, honestly, for me, it's just about my anxieties. Mm. Um, I, I struggle with anxieties in a very, very real way to the point where it's just bad, man. Um, okay. no. And I couldn't imagine, yeah, I couldn't imagine loving somebody, like having a heart, of, like somebody out there whom I am wired to love insanely yeah. and then worry about them, mm. check that they're okay at aftercare and, you know, being able to usher them and leave them in the care of other people. No, like, mm-mm. no, I completely understand. Like I'm saying, it's like, it's so intense. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things involved. Like you say, you know, a lot of people are saying like when you literally become, when you become a mom, it's literally having your heart mm. <laughs> lives in another person. It's like when they're hurting, you're hurting. When they're sick, you feel sick. When, and like you said, leaving them when they're school, leaving them in care of other people, you're always worried. And there's a lot of crazy things happening in the world. You're like, Oh my God, are they safe? Um, how, how do you protect them from everything happening and the truth is you can never protect them 100% you know and yeah for me definitely uh, especially in our African societies people need to understand that motherhood is a choice and it cannot be imposed on everybody mm-hmm. and also um, people are childless for different reasons you know it could be health related it can be just a simple choice it can be um yeah there's a lot of things or what people don't discuss a, a lot about mm-hmm. in our i would take the again the example of congo but when a, a couple is married and they don't have a kid they always look at a woman oh what is wrong with her why are they not having kids and for me i tell a lot of people there could be something uh wrong with the 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 the, the, the husband the partner you know and all these conversation, I think it's, impo- it's important to have them. And I think they're not had enough, in fact, especially where a, a married couple are not able to conceive. I mean, I know my fair share of women who have struggled to fall pregnant and that's all they desire with like their hearts, you know, is yeah. to be mothers and to be able to bring a child of both them and their husband. And other times, yes, too, the problem could be with the husband. Yeah. And that's also not spoken often. Oftentimes it's assumed it's the woman, right? It's always assumed in many cultures. It's, it's, it feels like, oh, you're the incompetent one, you know? Um, and I know in, that's very, that happens a lot in Congo. When you will see a couple, especially now parents' generations, I think our generation is a bit better. When you see a couple, they don't have a kid, very often you'll see, uh, the guys start having kids outside the outside. marriage because they need to prove a point like, ah, no, it's her, not me. <laughs> and when you see, um, and usually the, um, the wife, she's, uh, forced to take on these kids and raise them. And yeah, I guess it's really painful. But another thing is that sometimes, I mean, I'm not saying that it's probable, but what tends to happen is as particularly women of color are not well educated or informed about checking ourselves in like our lady parts and the likes. And so there's a staggering figure of up to 80% of 
women in general, this is not even by gender or what have you. I mean, not by gender, not by race, rather. Mm. Um, eight, up to 80% of women will have something like fibroids yes. in their lives. And in other cases where we, as women of color, are not encouraged to go seek uh, or to go consult with a gynecologist or with a medical professional of that sort of tier, mm. we would never come to know these things. And things like fibroids can actually get in the way of your ability to have children. I myself was late to the party. I went to get tested whenever and I found out that I have like multiple fibroids to the point where the general prognosis was that I could actually have a hysterectomy um, because it's a painful situation and the doctors were of the opinion that I can't conceive because of these multiple fibroids and I mean there's complications and stuff but the point I'm making is that so me I am an African woman who Vela Vela didn't go to you know with these regular checks up and mind you I actually know so this has got nothing to do oh. with the fact that I didn't have this information it's just because it was never made important to me in my personal life mm. um I think what you say is so important. All these issues of having checkups, uh, um, and I think not only for, for, for women, for both men and women, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, we just, um, we're just coming from October, which is the breast cancer awareness month. And yeah, and I always tell to people around definitely, I think starting a certain age, this is conversation also that we need to have, um, in our surroundings with young girls. Um, yeah, going to, um, checkups, uh, gynae checkups, like you said, check for fibroids, for endo, endometriosis, right? Yes, endometriosis. Uh, endometriosis. And especially fibroids is very prevalent with black women. Mm-hmm. Um, other things like, uh, cancers, your pap smears, etc. And I always, uh, yeah, and I always like to think like the earlier you get them, you've, you've got better chance of treating anything that is happening. But yeah, this is also another big issues uh, re- related to, 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 to motherhood. I remember when, um, Otto wanted to have kids. Uh, I remember when I was having our bi- biology, biology lessons, uh, in high school, um, our biology teacher, her husband was a doctor. And I remember she used to say that a lot of people who will go to her husband because they could not conceive that they, they, they were suffering for something like blocked tube or something. Okay. Um, and apparently it was also very prevalent and it's something that you can pick up very quickly with checkup, but usually because of what you're saying of not going to regular checkups, it's only when people, they can't conceive, then they will be like, oh, actually you've got this, you've got blood tubes, you've got fibroids, you've got this, you've got that. So yeah, definitely for me, I'm a big advocate, having suffered from fibroids myself and having had uh, two fibroid removal, two or three, I'm a big advocate of, yeah, of checkups, of regular checkups and the earlier, the better. Well noted. So yes, (laughs) I'm the lesson here. Please learn from me, go out there and get checked. And I hope as many of you actually have access to to these facilities yeah. um, because in South Africa I, I imagine that in the public health care systems you do have the support yeah access is also very important but I, I guess we can always start to a general GP okay we don't want to turn it into a health <laughs> features but it's very important definitely now I'm gonna I'm gonna make a little how can I say that a little pop culture <laughs> uh, incursion there um have you have you heard uh Kerry Washington's stories no but I hear she made some revelations about her father or something yeah right? so Talking about this, uh, how can I say, um, this fertility issues among couples. So, um, Gabrielle Union was, um, she wrote a biography where she revealed that she recently discovered that 
the person she has known all her life as being her dad is not a biological dad. This and is I, Gabrielle Union. Uh, or no, Kerry no, no. So sorry, Kerry Washington. Okay. <laughs> sorry. So uh, what happened is she wanted to do a show. You know, African Americans they do a lot of these shows where uh, you get ADN tested and then ancestry you need to, things. Yeah. Ancestry things. Yes. So she was scheduled to appear in a show where they they're gonna go go uh, get her ADN and try to locate her ancestry. And in that show, her parents, they had to inter, I mean, they, they were f- supposed to feature us there. And I guess this is where the parents, they're like, oops, oops, hold up. <laughs> we need to tell you something, something very important. Because I guess with the ADN testing, they would have picked up that the ADN was different or something like that. So, um, she went, uh, she went, uh, so, so they just told her at that particular moment, like, because the couple were suffering for, uh, they were having fertility issues. And at that time also it was a big taboo. And for what I see, so, so they, they, so they had to use a sperm donor. And from what I'm, I, I didn't read the book, but I'm sure, I think the issue was with the, 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 the father, mm-hmm. um, at that time. So they went very, um, but at that time, I, I, I think I have to read the book because like she's saying, at that time they didn't have all this screening, all this. So I wonder if, <laughs> even how, all the the logistic behind that happened but yeah so she recently uh discovered that her parents had used a um anonymous uh donor to because i think uh, the father could not conceive i mean that must be so life shaking ish completely completely yeah i remember there was a moment in time when i was broke and i was couch surfing and living with friends and there was an option where I could donate my eggs Ooh. to be used for the same purposes as mm. the sperm donor. And like, I was super excited, right? I was like, ah, oh, cool. This is an easy five grand. I'm down for this. And then the thought just occurred to me, especially because I knew then already that I didn't want to have children. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, imagine like walking the streets and seeing somebody, like I have really distinct eyes for argument's sake. Yes, you, um, you do. And so now imagine seeing People looking like you. Because I've seen like mothers and daughters and you can see that this is a mm. copy paste of that mother. You know what I mean? That's so true. imagine my genes were the kind that would like reveal themselves in these poor children who's, you know, oh, no. So that's what talked me out of it. Yeah, no, I completely <laughs> understand. I think it's really, yeah, it, it will be interesting to get into the mind of um, whatever uh, eggs or eggs or even male donors and like like you say thinking that you've got i don't know a couple of i don't know if they're allowed to give hundreds or <laughs> a couple of hundreds of you going um all all over yeah it it will be but on the other way uh, i'm glad that um people who really want to to be parents and don't have options i'm glad that they I'm glad that now medically there's a lot of options, you know, um, medically assisted options for people um, to 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 help you become a parent. parent. Yeah, mm. I remember back in the day when they were used, the term was test tube babies, um, because oh, yes. these. Yeah, the IVF situation, Mm -hmm. you know, and now it's almost a little bit more commonplace. And then you also have the surrogates, you know, like, so the options are endless. Yes. But they do come with a price. Completely. Yeah, it's very expensive. It is very expensive. And apparently also just the process of going under IVF and the hormones, that process for a couple to survive that is takes a lot. Yes, yes. It's yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah, because there's a lot of testing and also it doesn't. 
I don't think it's successful the first time. Mm. And yeah, no, it's like, it's a lot. But also that's okay. I know it's a bit easy to say that, especially when you're a mother. Sometimes I always people, um, what do you think of adoption? I've always been down for adoption. Mm. Um, but I know for men in particular, um, straight men, let's say, mm-hmm. the idea of caring for a child that is not of your loins mm. um, is not <laughs> a comfortable one. Okay. So then the next sort of thing that I've settled for is, because I've always welcomed the opportunity to take in a life who finds themselves in unfortunate circumstances, mm-hmm. right? Like I have no qualms caring for people, for children. Yes. I love children yes, like to yeah. bits. Um, so if ever, God forbid, Anyone within my family orbit um, is in a situation where there is a child left that needs to be cared for. Mm. Like, I would be, you yeah. know, hey, hi. Like, you know, I'm here for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also just believe that part of why I exist on this planet is to be of a vessel of support for my family. So mm. whatever way that comes, yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, no, I like that. And also, but like I said, I think there's no... There's no co- correct way or right way to go about it because um now I'm seeing on my Facebook feeds a lot of uh testimonies of adopted children, especially interracial adoptions. Mm. Um and they a lot of them they've they've went through or um horrific okay, I don't know if horrific, but they went to a lot of trauma, you know. Um some so for some of them it was not easy. I mean, you from I don't know uh Colombia, Brazil, Ethiopia, Angola, whatever, Africa, whatever, all these countries. And then you go there, especially back in the times, people, they were not really, um, I feel like back in the days, people would take another child for another race and they would try to make them as if they're raising a little white person. Mm-hmm. And I know, um, I've seen a lot of, um, I've seen a lot of, uh, testimonies also of, um, adoptions gone bad, etc. But also, I'm also like you, if one, I'm always thinking if I find, like I said, a life, um, that I can assist, I will happily do that, you know, uh, I will happily do that. <laughs> yeah. It is a tall order, but I mean, I'm down for that. But there are actually also a lot of men who, men of color who find themselves in those caregiving, um, situations. Cause November, cause we are in November now is actually, mm. you know, you were saying October is breast cancer awareness month or something yes, of that nature. Yeah. November is, the male version of that, right? Like, oh. so men are encouraged in November to check their prostates, to, you know, do all of these things. Mm-hmm. And I love men. I don't even know if, <laughs> like, how to quantify this love I have for men. You know, you get women who are, like, about their girls and, like, yes, women's yes. support and all of these things. Okay. And for me, by default, I mean, mm-hmm. I went to an all-girls school, so sure, ah, I see okay. you, but, like, my people are mm-hmm. men, like, the ones okay. that I and love. And you have and, a brother, if I... Yeah, I have a younger brother, but I I think that my love for men comes from... So when my father was a bachelor, there was a period... Like, so my parents got divorced when I was super young. Mm -hmm. And then there was a stage when my father was living on his own. And over the school holidays, my male cousins would come and visit him. I don't know where my female cousins Mm -hmm. were, but my male cousins were there. And I was the only girl, and I was surrounded by these older boys. beautiful. Like, these big Mm -hmm. brothers who were genuinely, like, beautiful people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've always had access to beautiful men. Okay, um, that's that's interesting because for me, I feel like, um, of course, there's a lot of men and women, but if I see the setting, I'll feel like I've got a lot of aunts and um, I've known my grandmothers compared to grandfathers, uh, etc. So for me, I feel like I was 
I, I, I don't know if I, I feel like I was surrounded more by, um, in terms of quantity, uh, women and something like that. Lot of, uh, uh women, uh, cousins, uh, female cousins, things like that. That's how I feel. I have a lot mm. of female cousins, like a mm. lot. My mom, mm. my grandmother lived with us and my mom mm. and they had a sister. So my aunt was sort of raised like a sister to me. I've had a lot of exposure to women. Mm-hmm. I just can't quantify what this thing is with men. Um, okay. I love men, but that's again, like I said, I've always had access to really, really good men. Yeah, and sure, I've had good. dogs in my life, mm-hmm. but the dogs were far fewer than mm-hmm. like the awesome people. Um, but I think it's good to say that because we live, um, because of the patriarchy where we're living in, there's a lot of discourse around like, oh, have the patriarchy. <laughs> mm. And which is also important, but also equally, you're really showing that, um, we need to, how can I say? Yeah, we need to celebrate the good men around us, you know? Uh, I'm a mom to a son and, you know, I, I, I feel like we really need to find balance between um discussing and denouncing the patriarchy but also celebrating uh, celebrating and making the good men around us love I know in South Africa there was an era where all the focus was on the girl child right yes. so take your girl child to work day girl children this girl children for the sciences mm. girl children for this and so like the boy child was almost overlooked yes. forgotten put to the ne- side neglected. Yeah, yeah neglected in every mm. way you know mm. um and so yeah you're right there, there does need to be a balance somewhere somehow um to get that right but just in speaking of good men like and me and my obsession with sangoma tv <laughs> um, i need which channel is that because <laughs> is it like on dstv because i need to check there's just several shows mm-hmm. on dstv that okay. speak to this topic okay i'll get to that but um one of them, and actually this was a probable, this was something as Sangoma said to me in real life, so it wasn't even on Sangoma TV, but they were saying that the majority of the people that consult with them mm-hmm. are women. women yeah. Um, and that men seldomly, however, when men come to consult, they come in to consult to open the door for them. They are coming to consult about themselves mm. and how to improve their lives. A bit selfish. No, no, no. Well, yes, mm. if you will. Okay. But when women consult, they are coming to consult to say, hey, that fiancé of Patricia's, I want him for oh, myself. Oh, my God. I want that. The so, malicious. Yes. yes. So women consult maliciously oh, wow. and men consult, as you would say, selfishly, but they're more concerned about themselves. No, now I understand it's more for like your self-progress yes. or something. So it's not selfishly as it is, yes, self-progress, yeah, no, no, whereby yeah. women are out there consulting to try bring you down, to try, you know, to try further themselves in malicious ways. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, but quickly, for those who don't know, uh, can you explain in few words what is a Sangoma? Because I know it's very particular to the Southern African culture. Okay, so in the African indigenous belief systems of Southern Africa, mm-hmm. or let's just focus in on like South Africa. Okay. Um, you get, I guess, a variety of healers or people who are have a gift that is in this line of healing one is the sangoma um and then you get like inyanga which is literally a healer Mm -hmm. and then you will get like your prophets um and you get uh, there's a term for a medium yes okay Um, so yeah so there are different like gifts that one can have Mm -hmm. but the sangoma would be the one who does bone divination like so they would read the bones yeah to communicate to you something or other about your circumstances in this mm-hmm. life. Um, but they are not the one you would speak to if you wanted to get a medium, right? Okay. And then, so the medium is literally the one who will like, uh, 
in, intermediate yes or, a conversation between you and your ancestors or your loved ones who've crossed over um but yeah that's, that's another a, world. yes that's a topic of another day but it's very interesting because um um i feel okay i think i told you that before but i feel like there is like a really um resurgence of okay not not not, not let's not say it's a resurgence but i always been fascinated somehow how in south africa these two systems of belief uh, coexist mm. while coming from somewhere like in Congo, they'll be like, oh, no, 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 like people don't want to hear about this kind of thing. So uh, I think we really need to dedicate an episode to that. And uh, yeah, because I feel like in yeah in South Africa, I feel like these things quite uh, coexist co- uh, together quite well. And it's interesting, but uh, <laughs> it's like I said, it's just a topic for another day because I feel like it's vast and yeah. Yeah, it is so vast. You know who else is sort of dabbling in this kind of topic by coincidence? <laughs> is our girl Poppy Sibia there in Ghana. Oh, really? So yeah, she decided to go looking for these witch houses. So in Ghana, there's... There are women who get cast out into the peripheries because they are accused of being witches. And so there's like a part there where they live. So Poppy mm. was like, hey, I heard about this place. I want to find out what this place wow. is. So she's gone and shared with her viewers. Talking about Poppy, when is she coming back? Do you know? <laughs> because like I was saying, I really want to meet her in real life. And guys, if you haven't listened to our episode with her, you need to go back and <laughs> listen to it. But talking about these witch houses, um, I was having a chat with my mom recently. Um, how in Congo, just to go back a bit into the um, motherhood discussions, in Congo, there is really this thing that I believe is brought about by all these new way, a uh, new wave of churches, this, um, ev- how do you say that? Evangel- evangelical. Evangelical churches, etc. There is a pattern in those churches. For instance, if, um, a woman can't, uh, a woman can't have kids or if things are not going well in a, in a marriage, whatever, they always like, Oh my God, look out for your mom. She's a witch. She does that. She does that. So there is, um, always this thing of, uh, pointing fingers at women. And I was telling my mom how I've noticed it's a lot around the mother, the grandmother. And I was telling um, my mom, I was like, no, this is deeply rooted in self-hate, in patriarchy, mm. you know, because she was just telling me a little story of some people she knows where um, this lady completely uh, disregarded her mom out of her life because pastors and people at church told her that, yeah, the mom was at the root of all her miseries. I don't know, in her life, in a marriage, whatever. And she really, um, even when when her mom was like so sick and on a deathbed, she could not, um, she didn't want to approach her mom. Then I was telling my mom, I was like, interesting. I never heard anyone accusing their dads or their granddad of (laughs) being like the witch or whatever of the family. So, Again, for me, these things, it really, uh, it, it really shows how women and mothers, we go through a lot. Like, you're responsible for, for every, like, everything that's not going well in your family, your kid's life. Ah, oh, that's a mom. I don't know if it's the same thing in South Africa. It is absolutely the same thing in South Africa, particularly because, I mean, we, the notion of like an absent father is very real, right? So mm. that means that the expectation falls wholly on the mother. Um, to raise a child, to be responsible for the fiber of that child's like everything. Know, yes, their integrity, mm. their corruption, their everything is all because of the mother. Oh yes, that's that's very true. I see that in the narrative, even in African American society, like whatever. Oh, the absent child, but yeah, but it feels like again they're pointing the fingers 
on the present mom. It's, yeah, you're responsible for being present in a yeah. nutshell. Because like when I was speaking about the mother wound earlier and how it was defined as the mother's wound is the mother's unprocessed trauma impacted on you as a child. And oftentimes this is a burden that daughters bear the brunt of. And it's brought about by patriarchal Again. systems, right? Mm. Like so men and the not being seen and either that you must marry me and you must be a loyal wife and you must cook for me. You must be a mom also. You know almost. what I mean? And so women are encouraged to be quiet, to be Submissive, uh, submissive, submissive be, yeah. you know, all of these things that are not taking up space. <laughs> yeah, what you're saying is so important because um, I'm really liking this new generation of African girls. There's a lot of chat, I don't know if you've seen them, around first daughters. You know, like you say, um, especially in the African context, when you've got um, the first kid, if she's a girl, she's expected like to be a sort of uh, deputy mother, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, she, she needs to do everything and she needs, and a lot of people are saying like no they didn't enjoy the childhood teenhood whatever because from maybe age 10 11 12 you're supposed to be like a deputy mom and these african diaspora families um living in, in europe where the mom has to work so hard out of the household mm-hmm. uh because it's not like you can't stay at home you know because it's just yeah you need to hustle there and then you've got this Teenage kids that need to feed their uh, little sisters and little brothers, do the homework, whatever. So there's sort of a revolution <laughs> around all these uh, kids. They're like, no, we're not. Um, yeah, we're not. We're not doing that anymore. We're changing things. It's like, yeah. I am a firstborn daughter. Um, so, I mean, I can totally identify. Relate. Yeah, I can totally relate. <laughs> That's the word. I often call my brother my firstborn son. Oh, wow. Um, but I mean, for the most part, I've kind of enjoyed it. Like, yeah, no, I, I guess, uh, I guess if it's really not like imposed to, to you, you know, but, um, I can imagine some families that they, they're so strict, so traditionalist mm. where you have to, you know, uh, in Congo, you see little girls, maybe seven, seven, even maybe five. They're playing, but they're carrying a little baby on their, you know, yeah. on their hips because, yeah, the mom will be like, hey, that's your job. Take care of your brother, whatever. So this is also like a conversation that we need to have. Let the girls be, you know. Let the children be. Yeah, let the children be. Let the children be. I like that. Yeah. But um, shout out, before we move on to the beautiful things of being a mother, mm-hmm. Um. Just to let you all know that there is a book that's just been launched called The Girl Who Survived Her Mother by Mushitadi Lithomela. Um, it's on, it's available on Take A Lot, uh, and other platforms. And I think if you can relate to this idea of surviving a mother wound, because this is not a topic that there's enough discourse around, um, perhaps you can find some salvation in there if you will, or like something you can relate to. I just thought it was, uh, something I should let you all know about that it exists in the ether there, the girl who survived her mother by Mushitadi Lehlomela. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think that's, that will be a very interesting read because like you said, a lot of, uh, mothers and daughters relationships are impacted by, you know, all these, uh, yeah, patriarchy standards. I, I guess it's the, the word of the day, but, uh, because of all these expectations of being a woman that mothers put onto the, um, the daughters, I think a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of relationships are impacted ne- negatively. Yes, but on the bright side, 
you who have bundles of joys in your life <laughs> and who like to share them on the social media platforms, you guys give me life, honestly. Like on days when my own life is just so burdensome to see the shenanigans of that <laughs> Yes. I mean it's so hilarious. Like I'm 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 also enjoying this mummy content on social media babies what they're doing these little kids being super rude to their parents yes. <laughs> yeah no that's true they get these pranks that go south sometimes yes. though where although i don't really are... enjoy those some of the pranks parents do on their kids yeah there's been a lot of that hey where yeah. pa- parents are pranking their kids f- 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 the eggs on their yes, face yes Cracking no, the eggs man. on the foreheads of the poor children. Oh my God. But for me, what I really like is the content of Sarcastic Mom because, you know, we always like, oh my God, it's the best time of your life. It's, oh, motherhood, you know, the sacralization around motherhood. I really enjoyed this mom was saying like, it's not cute at all. Like showing how you, go, like you don't even have, you, 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 you look a mess. You don't have privacy. <laughs> when they're little, they follow you in the bathrooms, to the showers, and how you don't sleep. I see a lot of women put, um, posting their postpartum pictures uh-huh. when they've got the, the pads and the thing. So I think it's also a good way that we, uh, the desacralization also, mm. if I might say that, of, of motherhood and saying like, oh, it's the pit, you know, it's <laughs> triggering, it's whatever. Yeah, I mean, I love being a mother. It's beautiful. But yeah, like I said earlier, it's intense. It is intense. And I can imagine oftentimes I've heard women or mothers speak about like they don't know if they're doing it right. I know. That's the thing. You never know if you do it right, how you, how the kids will turn out. And there's so, so much going on in society with social media. You always stress out. But yeah, I guess as a mom, just try to show up every day and do your best. And most importantly, get help. Have a support system. Have your little village. There's a lot of joke going on like, oh, they say it takes a village to raise a child. Where is the village? I don't see them. Because back in the day, there used to be a proper, proper village, you know, grandparents, mother-in-law, uh, everybody, you, your life, you'll you be on a standstill and the community will gather and come around you. But now, and and I've seen somewhere, someone saying like, we need to tell new moms now that you need to pay for that village. I mean, if you can afford. Yeah. So now the new village is the nannies, uh, the au pair, the school, uh, yeah, the school, the transport <laughs> people. That's the new village. And, um, someone can consider themselves very privileged if they can pay that because a lot of them don't access to the new paying village. That is so sad. It is. Cause I mean, I was thinking about the, importance of the grandparent in a child's Mm. life like in the past you know so oftentimes it would happen that the parents had to migrate to go work and they would leave their children to be raised by their family their mothers Mm -hmm. their fathers um and i thought it was a really important thing um but i actually had a conversation with an uber driver the other day and he's like no his his father and the wife at present because his mom passed away they want to raise their children, his children, you know? Oh. And he's like, no, but I want my children to learn under my rule because if they go to the grandparents, the grandparents are going to spoil them and they're not going to have a firm, mm. <laughs> you know? And I was this like, is, this is a, also another important topic because in the family, in the African family, uh, the family is the extended family. A lot of people, I know a lot of people who have been raised by the mom, big sister. Maybe your mom was a, a bit younger and not uh, stable in life. Then you'll go and live with your mom, big sister, with the grandparents with the you know so um, it feels like but now um 
I feel like also the nuclear, nuclear, do we say mm -hmm. that also in English? Um, yeah, this setting also of mom, dad, and the kids' family, this is what I'm, I'm referring also to that it's, the burden is on the mothers also, you know, because back in the days, like I said, yeah, the, People could literally, the grandparents, whatever, could help. And a lot of people have been raised and I think successfully by other members of, of the family. And sometimes I'm thinking, yeah, that's the village we're referring um, yeah. about, you know. I mean, it's strange because my mother was always there. However, so she had a younger sister who's my aunt that I say I was raised like she was my sister. And so my aunt, who, okay. So my grandmother and my mother lived under one roof. Yes. With, your grandmother and your mother. Yes. Okay. With this aunt of mine yes. who mm. was three years old, is three years older than me. Yeah. Right. So to me, she was like my sister. So my sister, in mm -hmm. inverted commas, would call my mom Ospopi and then she would call her mother Mama. So I grew up calling my grandmother Mama and my mother Ospopi as if... It happens in a lot of Africans' family. Like you said, you'll see, especially in the case of a younger mom, everybody will be calling her like a big sister in Swahili, it's Dada or something like that, um, in Lingala, Yaya and stuff. And mm. you'll see them calling the parents by by the name, whatever. Yeah. And then the, the mother, the, the grandmother actually will be the mom. But you know, yesterday I, I saw something super interesting in um, on Facebook. There's a tribe, I think, I believe they are from Ethiopia, Ethiopia, sorry, Afar tribe, I think, Afar, yes, the Afar tribe from Ethiopia. And I was seeing a little bit, I was seeing a little video where um, the couple, when you've got a, a kid, you must gift the kids to the grandmother. Okay. Something like that. I saw a little snippet and they were being interviewed by French um French journalists, they were like, oh my God, we can't believe that. And for me, when I was seeing that, I was like, but it's so common. They were so shocked. They were like, why would you do that? So this guy was like, oh, this is my firstborn. It was a, a teenage boy. He's like, yeah, it's my, it's like almost my son, but almost my brother because okay. we gifted him to the, to the grandparent. And the, the child day was like, oh, I'm loving being raised by my grandmother because, um, like I'm young and is she, she was spoiling him, whatever. Yes. So I think this really shows that, um, family must, not, families must not be, families doesn't look one way, you know? Um, families are different under, under different, uh, uh, cultures, countries, and the, the mom, dad, and kids, family, whatever. Uh, I don't know if it's, yeah, I can say the European slash Christian, um, thing, the patriarchal <laughs> thing of the family. It's not always that, that thing. And there's a lot of different things. And, and in all these ancient models, if I can say, the village was there. Yeah, the village was there. Mm. And in fact, it scares me and it is happening. So this idea of these retirement, homes yes. that are a big thing in like northern Joburg or mm. South Africa let's just say um, whereby I I think this is something that has that is succeeding because of white people ways yeah where um, those gogos and the mkulus don't have anybody looking after them so yeah. they go sit in retirement homes and now it's happening in our African communities Com completely. and it's so not nice you know no it's not nice like there was always mm. place for an elder in our homes like you said most of us we grew up with our grandparents they will be older now the parents will be like oh move out of your house and come and stay with us yes and then I don't know if people, because for me my uh, paternal grandmother lived with us from when I was about 
two years old and she died when I was um in my I think early maybe I was just turned 30 so imagine staying with um the grandmother at home the all this vast knowledge important to us for me I think it's a beautiful experience and I'm you know and I'm glad my son has also access to the to the grandparent and I always tease my mom I'm like ah you new generation grandparents <laughs> <laughs> like I said no just be like this all these storytelling to kids and teaching what are they stuff. doing that's new age <laughs> Um, for me, I feel, uh, I always said, say that jokingly, but I feel it's true. I feel like, um, they're not taking seriously. And, and I'm not talking about like my parent, my parent, but in general, I feel like they're not taking seriously, uh, all our generation. We're not taking seriously the transmissions. Okay. Part. And I love, for me, I really love transmission, talking about memories, past members of the families, uh, photograph. Really like the transmission. This for me, this is what um, I have received from my grandmothers. The the micro, yeah, the transmissions. The oh, back in the day, back in the time, um, talking about the family trees and the family dynamic and whatever. So for me, I think yeah, it's so important. Do you know what I want to be when I get older? Mm. I want to be an old woman teaching kids this transmission business of sitting under a tree that's what other I want people's to children at my well. feet <laughs> with like my gray mane of oh wisdom my God. like I we want need that to more do that. <laughs> God must give, grant us this long and healthy life yes please. and we need to do that and then we need to continue podcast under the Morula tree yes completely <laughs> oh yeah Patricia my friend I think perhaps it would be so fruitful to hear from other mothers or other women about their experience in this realm of womanhood. Um, so let's hear from our friends out there from the diaspora to tell us about what it is for them to be she. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to hear from new moms, for veteran moms, for moms to be or people who want to be, uh, who want to pursue motherhood. But definitely I'm looking forward to see what they want to share with us. And yeah, just to hear where they are, how they're feeling about all this thing called motherhood. And how they are building their villages to get them through <laughs> this very daunting task of motherhood. Let's hear from them. What I wish I would have been told or knew before the arrival of my wonderful bundle of joy would be that it is such a joyous occasion, but it's also like a huge, it's also a period of loss. Um, loss of your old life loss of your identity uh, a huge one is loss of your autonomy you cannot navigate the world the way you used to anymore it definitely has made me feel like my body is not my own um, that everything I do is now dictated by someone else <laughs> it's such a beautiful thing bringing life into the world but it's it's very overlooked a lot, uh, especially when it comes to the mother. We overlook a lot that we might not be very happy about, <laughs> like the fact that you don't have as much time for yourself as you used to, or the fact that you cannot uh, do the things you used to do before, like simple things like go out and do your hair or go do your nails or have impromptu like your life is not your own anymore you 
you have to consider um, another human being's life because they are very much dependent on you, especially if you're breastfeeding. Also on the topic of breastfeeding, I wish someone had told me that breastfeeding is not as easy and that, honestly speaking, whether you breastfeed or you give formula to your kid, it is perfectly okay whichever you choose because breastfeeding is not fun at all. But yeah, I would say I'm not myself anymore. I feel like I'm not myself anymore and I need to reinvent myself uh, with this new development in my life, um, which I'm very happy about, you know. But yeah, giving birth to a child and parenting is definitely not fair on the mother. It's unfortunately is the way it is it will always be more tasking on the mother than it will be on the father but i've been enjoying every moment with my little bundle of joy i do have a lot of reconciling to do with the old life that i've had to let go and may have not been ready to let go but i have to now and i have to forge a new identity Hi, my name is Sipilele Magakula, but everyone calls me Sips. I am a cultural practitioner. I run an NGO called Antidote Culture, where we help Eswatini-based creatives be able to monetize their talents. I'm also an entrepreneur. I run a business called Batterbakes, where we make gluten-free, dairy-free, and sugar-free goods, but not taste-free in Eswatini, first of its kind actually in the country. I also am a consultant. I do branding and copywriting for, for brands locally and internationally. So I wear a lot of hats and being a multi-hyphenate and a woman in business and in all these different diverse spaces is challenging at times as everyone else expects you not to measure up. And that concept of measuring up has been something that has held me back from actually doing all the things that I've wanted to do and manifest the things that were inside of me. I've always been afraid and lived with the fear of the greatness that I behold and a fear of failure and a fear of success because I always thought once I succeed, I won't be able to measure up. And when interrogating that feeling, um, it took me back to childhood where you were always, um, African children can relate to this, that you're always being um, chastised if you're not doing better than everyone else. Your grades have to be top tier. Your mannerisms, everything about you has to be exceptional for you to be able to have a space in any platform. And I think that can be so crippling. And it was crippling to me because I was unable to do anything for very long. I was depressed for over a year because of that crippling fear of failure. And now that I've come, start to come into my own and pursue the things that I want, I have vowed to die empty. So to live out all the things that are inside of me. I have, likely have many gifts, but that comes with a lot of responsibility and pressure. But in this year of 2022, I have willed myself to do it all and try all. And I haven't done everything that I want to do. It's just the beginning. So my message to other people who are trying out there is to not be afraid to be seen trying. There's wealth in that as you empower others to do the same. 
I always say I, I share my journey or try to share my journey in real time on my social platform, Sip with Sips on Instagram and Twitter. But sometimes it's just me having a good time <laughs> because I want to show people that you don't have to be a perfect package to do amazing things and make an impact in the world. And I want to release a podcast about shame and the wealth in sharing those shames because you can bring about a community and find your tribe and find your people that can help you continue to work on the things that you think you're not so good at. So yeah, that's me. Good luck to everyone trying out there and let's not be afraid to be doing it out loud. Hi everyone. My name is Buddy from Johannesburg. I think one of the things for me since becoming a mother is that you have a newfound appreciation for your own mother and how you were raised. This is obviously given that you had what we'd consider a, a good upbringing, even though you might have had a challenging upbringing. I think motherhood allows you to sort of have, reflect on your own history, reflect on your own influences in life, like what shaped your childhood. And I think you come to a sense of realization where you understand why some decisions may have been taken by your parents, given the information or the situation of, at hand at the time. And I think it just allows you to be more kind as a human, you know, to be more appreciative, to be more empathetic to them, to who they are currently as a mother and as a grandmother, because you understand more of what their life journey was. And at the same time, it makes you sort of be present in the moment in terms of your parenting, because then you try to think to yourself that if I'm having these reflections now, what will my child be reflecting on 20, 30 years from now when they have their own kids? Will they look back on their childhood and think, I understand what my parents did and I appreciate? Or will they look back and think, my parents didn't do enough or didn't try hard enough? So I think it, it makes you look inwardly and at the same time to the future. It just puts you in sort of this crossroads of time where you're thinking, this is the impact that shaped me. What do I want to shape? my child um, going forward. I think for me it has been one of those biggest realizations when it comes to motherhood. I learned that never trust anyone, never put your hope in anyone, be your own person, always have a plan B, never rely on anyone, never put hope in anyone, just rely on yourself and always have your own back. Okay, wrap it up. Oh my God. So it was so insightful to hear from all these different women from different walk of life at different stages of motherhood or in the pursuit of motherhood. And yeah, I really enjoyed, uh, hearing from them. And it was such a high opener. What did you think? I absolutely agree with you. And in fact, in as much as this um, dialogue continues about womanhood, I wonder if there's even enough of it as women with women, you know, because there have been women who shared with me that their elders did them a disservice to let them know about what it really takes to be married, particularly to a man. Um, mm -hmm. And all the many disservices of the expectations of men have of women and just the struggles and the burdens that comes with being 
a mother and navigating this world. So yeah, that was so insanely enlightening. And I hope maybe even the younger kids could be listening here as they map out their lives and their aspirations and what they want for themselves. Yeah, no, totally agree. And I think it's not a it's not a once-off conversation. I think it's an ongoing conversation. That yeah, it's it's very um, it's very it's important as women, even men, and like you say, even the younger generation, to keep on talking about uh, the the beautiful aspect of motherhood, but also the struggles and all the challenges. And it's it's a very um, I'm very proud to belong to a generation where people are talking openly about the challenges associated with motherhood and it doesn't belong to such of, of a sacralized um, part of womanhood and like I said young people are sharing all these challenges on social medias uh, on blogs talking to their friends openly about it and definitely it's an ongoing um, conversation and I'm sure we'll have more um, more installment of motherhood or womanhood or things like that right Yes, because in fact, as as you're speaking, I'm thinking to myself, um, we actually need to talk about sex, sex from a woman's perspective, in the sense that what we were taught and raised in this world, as Africans in particular, like so not in context of Americans, but just women's pleasure in this world as African mm-hmm. women is not a highly spoken about topic. And I reckon we should file that one for 2024. No, definitely. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, let's start hunting already our sexperts <laughs> to help us tackle and uh, unpack this subject. But it's also just like motherhood and everything that related to our well-being, uh, to femininity and just to life in general, which we need to, like you say, we need to file and dedicate an episode to that. So, yes, I'm looking forward to it. Sorry, I need to say this now so that I can remember. In Zambia, if you've been married for five years, what happens is customarily the husband and wife will be taken like to separate places where the woman is told, okay, thank you for surviving our son for five years. We are now going to impart to you the secrets of sex. And they demonstrate positions and they teach the oh. man how he can do what have you to the woman. Like, so I'm saying this now just to let you know that in Zambia, they take this very seriously. So, um, yeah, we must go to Zambia. I heard something. I heard. Wow. I heard something relating to uh, Zambia kitchen parties, but it was before the women get married or something. Mm-hmm. But, oh, definitely. I mean, we need to we really need to to look for someone who knows uh who knows about these subjects in particular? And definitely, I would love to hear more about it and chat with with someone who is not knowledgeable about this practice in Zambia. But yeah. why after five years, though? Um, I think that's the benchmark of like, okay, you're serious, so there's no like sign of divorce. Ah, uh, you know, so it's just like, okay, you've survived the trial phase of marriage. Now let's let's get you there. Yeah. Yeah, but I know a lot of um, African societies, there's a lot of uh, this type of, um, I've heard in different um, countries, cultures, about something similar, but it will be, I think we really need to make our research on the topic and come with a very valuable uh, episode next year. No word. Yeah, this is going to be a saucy one. Um, 
but <laughs> until then PG eighteen or something. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, PG eighteen. <laughs> um but until then, thank you so much to the woman who shared and gave us their insights on the experience of being women, of being mothers. And um thank you for listening to this episode. Yeah, thank you. Thank you to this woman. And it's not easy to always share this part of um, their lives, but we're so thankful. And yeah, thank you. Bye. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.